You're listening to Sarah Hagen backstage with interviews and insights from years inside the music industry. Join Sarah as she talks with masters of their crafts, finding out what makes them tick both inside and outside of the music business. This week, Sarah talks with Matt Grainer. Welcome to Sarah Hagen Backstage. My guest today, Matt Greiner, is best known as the drummer in the metal band August Burns Red, but he is also an amazing clinician and educator, and he happens to be one of my favorite people. Today, we are going to talk to Matt about his start in drumming, maintaining a working farm while also finding success in music, and we'll get some valuable advice about hard work and never giving up. Join us as we cover these topics and more with Matt Greiner. Matt Greiner, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Thank you for being here. It's so great to see you. Good to see you too. We talk every now and then, but um, it's nice to be face to face. Yeah. Exactly. 2021 version. Twenty 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 one. Right. I know. We we all say, oh, 2020, the year of the quarantine, but it has carried into 2021. And this is kind of the way that we see each other now. So, um, you know, we we will see each other in person again. I keep saying that, but it's, it's, it's going to get there. We're getting there. It's, um, yeah, I think we're, we're, we're past the point of like talking about potential tours happening and knowing in the back of your head that it's just going to be something that's pushed off into the future. Like we're, we're working on some stuff right now and we know it's going to happen eventually. It's just a matter of when. And I think finally we have a light at the end of the tunnel. You know? Yes, you do. And you have so much going on right now and I cannot wait to jump into all of that. Um, we will, we'll definitely get there. And I think, I think I, think I, think I, I hear an echo. echo. Is, is that, that okay? okay? Is that, is that, is that, that coming, coming from me? me? I don't really want that. Oh yeah. I can't hear it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hold on. Tech stuff, you know? <laughs> you got to get it right. I love that we're still live. We should include this. Um, <laughs> let me see if it's still happening. Check, check. So the other day, I was spreading chicken manure at my farm, and some flew in my mouth, and it was really gross. <laughs> I, it sounds good now. I think we're good. It's, <laughs> Oh my goodness. Uh, I'm sorry. This interview is going to be so much better. Me not having an echo. So I'm, I, I had to. I had oh to yeah. That would in. be, that would be so annoying for you. Like the whole time to hear <laughs> that would drive me myself over again. Yeah. It's good. Now there's no loop. It was like a cycle, a circle or something. So I'm just start over. Like, all right. Sweet. Okay. Take two. We want to go back a little bit to where you started, Matt, and talk a little bit about, um, you know, growing up on the farm and then the transition into drumming. Not that you didn't keep working on the farm while you were <laughs> drumming, but, um, you know, do, you grew up on the farm, right? I did grow up on the farm. Thank you so much for having me on the show, by the way. Um, we just had some tech stuff go on and I, I want to get this right for you. I want to get this right for this podcast. It's important to me. Um, and I just, I'm really honored to be here talking with you and I appreciate you having me. Um, so to the farm, uh, I grew up on a farm that was my dad's farm. So like as a kid, I would see my friends going to local football games and see them skateboarding and BMXing and riding motocross. And I had to stay on the farm and work. 
So when I was like 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, it was a burden and a chore and a headache. And I remember saying to my dad, um, you know, I want to start this band. And he was supportive of me from the beginning, but he didn't, I think his response was like, that's okay, but you're still going to help out around the farm. Like you can do this thing, but you also have to keep doing this other thing. Two things can be true at the same time. And, and so the one always felt like it was a burden. And the other one was like the, the thing that I wanted to put all my energy into. Um, and then funny enough, all these years later, I'm 35 now, I bought into the farm. Like I willingly went massively into debt to purchase the thing that was a burden as a kid. <laughs> right, right. And, you it, know? and we've, we've had the discussion too, you know, when you were thinking about that and, and, you know, making that decision and it's a big, big decision. But, um, I think that, you know, one of the other things we've talked about is that the, that farm and that work, that hard work kind of like taught you how to work hard towards something that you want, you know, the getting up early and all the, the repetitive chores that you had, um, you know, so that's, that's a pretty amazing lesson to learn as a kid. Yeah. I remember my dad saying to me one time I was, um, I was probably 10 or 11. I started playing drums when I was 15. So this preceded that. And he told me, he said, winners never quit and quitters never win. And I said, I said, where did you learn that from? Like from your dad or from a friend? He said, no, I learned it from my wrestling coach. He said, I wrestled in high school and it's the hardest thing I've ever done. It was the most taxing, the most involved. And um, there are a lot of times that you want to quit. And I, I just remember thinking that you, as a 10-year-old kid, like, I've never faced anything that difficult before. Um, and the thought kind of scared me, right? Like, I don't know that I want to be challenged that much by something that I feel like quitting. And then I started playing drums. <laughs> and it's like, this instrument right here is by far the hardest thing I've ever done. And therefore, I love it. I'm still in love with it 20 years later. Um, if it was easy, if I had figured it out easily and quickly, then I would have moved on to something else. So years and years later, I remember just coming to this realization that my dad's like, wrestling moment in high school has been my drumming experience um, over the years. And if you're a drummer and you're listening to this, you know, it just never ends. It's like golf. It's, it's the, it's the sport you're always in search and pursuit of perfecting. And it's in that pursuit that we fall in love with this thing because it, that, that margin leaves us with um, this desire to practice. Right. And so much of drumming is just like, I want to get better at this. I want to perfect this. I want to improve upon this. Instead of it just being like, I'm sitting down to play drums. That's, that's some of it. It's fun. But so much of it is this desire to be better than you are today, tomorrow. I love that. And I love that, you know, one of, one of the things that you've said is that 20 years later, you still get the same joy out of playing drums that you had when you started. And that's incredible. Man, 20 years. I, I I was saying to a drum student this morning, if I didn't have August Burns Red, um, I, I would have quit playing drums. Like I, I would have played for a couple years. And if the band had fallen off in 2005 or six, when we got signed, had we not gotten signed, I would have quit. Maybe not permanently, but 
you could probably relate to this a little bit. Like if you don't have commitment in an area of your life, then there are days when you don't want to do that thing, but because you're committed to it, you have to. I have a commitment to playing drums in August Burns Red, and there are days that I don't feel like practicing. Or to be frank, you just don't have a whole lot of extra time. Mm -hmm. Too bad. Like you have to sit down, you have to put in the time. And so because I've, I've stayed in close proximity to drumming because it's a commitment, I've stayed in love with it all these years too. So I, I'm, I'm really grateful. I'm really blessed to be in a band that has had success for so long because it's, it's really kept me um, in, uh, engaged, I guess, or just committed to drumming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? that, yeah, exactly. You, you have that, that commitment, that promise to other people who rely on you to stay in it too. So right. That's amazing. And I do want to touch on something else that you said, you know, when talking about doing something that's hard and you, you know, I've heard you say, um, you know, you, you post video clips on Instagram, which I love. I always, always watch them because, you know, you have like little snippets of wisdom and inspiration in there. And um, so thank you for posting those. But you recently said something about, you know, always telling yourself, I can do it. And you try it. And if you fail, you try it again. Um, and, you know, I think about it kind of apply, it applies to music, it applies to drumming, it applies to so much else in life as well, you know, and I think that when you face something that's hard, and you push through and you overcome it, it makes you realize what you can do, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think I was born with a ton of natural drumming talent. And, and I don't, I don't say that to, to sound humble or anything. It's, it's just, honestly, it's the truth. I know myself better than anyone else does. Um, and I look at someone like Tony Royster Jr. or, um, someone like Ash Stone or someone like Aaron Spears, all these giants in the drumming industry. And I just see like, there's like a, there's like an X factor with some drummers, right? You know what I mean? You, mm -hmm. you just, you see someone and they just sit down and you're like, they've probably always been able to do some of that. Um, for me, that has not been my experience. I sat down the first day I played drums. I, I had no idea what I was doing and I didn't have a natural inclination towards it. It was very foreign, um, but I loved it. And so I just, I just worked and worked and worked and worked at it. And so because of my experience with this instrument, um, I, I guess I look at it as um, an example of what can happen in your life if you really put your mind to something. You haven't been given a head start in that area of your life. You haven't been advantaged. You haven't been given this like thrust forward or anything. It's just you're starting where everybody else is starting. And you've, you've been blessed and you've been given this opportunity as a result of your hard work. And I, I project that same idea on other people then. It's like, well, hold on a second. Like, don't say you can't do that because um, I, I thought the same thing about myself. And all these years later, I'm, I'm sitting in a position that you're talking about being in, saying that you could never be in that position. So, so years ago, I heard this for the first time from a drum student of mine. He's like, I, I could just never play like you. I could never play an August Burns Red song. And I remember... I remember not saying anything back to him. I was just like, all right, you know, I understand. Like, it, they're hard songs. Metal's a hard genre. And at the end of our lesson, we were working on double bass. At the end of the lesson, 
um, he figured out how to go from like, maybe it was like 130 to, to 140 BPM. It felt like a sizable jump. And he, and you could just see his eyes, his eyes lit up and he looked at me and you could tell that there was a sense of like, wait a second, I just got a little bit closer to the goal that I've been, I've been striving towards that I've always discounted myself towards achieving. Like I'm never going to meet that goal. And at, and after the lesson, I asked him, I said, do you think it's possible you could one day play an ABR song? And he's like, I, I do actually, I did in an hour ago and I do now. And so my goal as a teacher and as an educator is to bring someone from that starting place of, I can't do this and I could never do this to, I think there's a chance. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take some work, but I'm willing to give it a shot. Um, and then on, on the heels of that, I also want to say that, you know, I've worked hard at this, but I realize that there's also something else going on. Um, I, in the Christian sense, I would call it God, um, you know, working in my life and taking something that I've worked on and using it for a, a bigger cause. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of the Christian sense, it would be maybe like um, destiny or you know, just finding your purpose in something, but there's something else going on beyond just my hard work. Um, and the, the work of August Burns Red and that we've been given this amazing opportunity to play music around the world for 18 years now, uh, 15 of which we've been touring. So that, that's, wow. that's a long run. That is, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, you, you bring what you're talking about, you know, not having had, a leg up or, you know, come into this, the, into the drumming world with this, what you feel was like just a natural ability to play and really having to work hard. Um, what you're giving back is pretty incredible because I see, you know, you're not only teaching, you're not only doing drum lessons, but you are, um, you have the podcast, you are speaking out, you're talking to people, you're mentoring people. And that part of it is just so incredible. And, um, you know, the, between your lessons and let's talk a little bit about that too, because I did see an announcement. I think you posted earlier today, right. Mm-hmm. That you have the new, um, Matt Griner lessons website coming out. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So COVID happens, um, last year. <laughs> and so we were on tour with Killswitch Engage. We were out with them for, um, three days and NCAA pulled the tournament. Live Nation caught off touring, and we went home. And we loaded into our storage unit instead of loading into the Fillmore in Philadelphia. It was the weirdest day. It was it was just so weird. Like we should be loading into a venue right now to play for our, our hometown city. Yeah. Instead, we're loading into a storage locker. <laughs> that is so sad. And and yeah. you know just selfishly I was sad too because you were then headed to Boston and I was going to get to see you right. and and Justin from Kill Switch and it was going to be great <laughs> yeah <clears throat> that was bizarre um before getting to the studio I'll just talk a little bit about this so so we went out with Kill Switch we had been prepping for it for a while I had always been looking forward to touring to them and um day one of the tour I remember talking to Brent the guitarist of my band and and um and he was saying something like, I, I just wonder how big of a deal this, this COVID is going to be. You know, Maybe we cancel some of the shows, but I, I think hopefully we can make it through some of the tour. 
So day one of the sh- of, of of the tour, there were like 1,900 tickets sold. And in touring, there's a term called the drop rate. And the drop rate is how many people have tickets to the show that don't come. So it's usually a good indicator of enthusiasm for the show, how excited people are and committed to their their ticket purchase. Well, the drop rate day one, keep in mind, COVID was like a conversation at that point, uh, was only 90 people. Wow. Which was like less of a drop than any other time. And we're talking about this COVID-19, this scary thing that's about to happen. Um, day two, about about 1,900 tickets, about 90 to 100 ticket drop rate, still the same sense of confidence. And so we're looking at this like, I don't know, like, is this really going to be a big deal? You know, is this really going to be an issue? Um, and then day three, uh, NCAA pulled the tournament, Live Nation called us, we played a sideshow in Kentucky, hopped on the bus. I remember it was pouring rain, it almost felt like Everyone was feeling this <laughs> sadness about what was about to happen in the world. And we hopped on the bus and we drove back to Mannheim and unloaded it. And um, that brings me to my studio. So I've always wanted to build a home studio. And of course, at first it was like two weeks, then it was two months. And I was like, now's the time to do this. So I went to Lowe's. I said, I need. 15 cases of wood. <laughs> I went to my barn and I was like, I need to find a couple planks that I can sand down and hang on the walls like shelving. Um, I, I talked to Mike Johnston from mikeslessons.com and I was like, is it all right if I model some of my studio after yours? I really like the shadow boxes that you have for your symbols. I was like, is that is that okay? I realize I'm completely taking that look and idea. And he's like, dude, you're one of the good guys. Um, go ahead. I'll never forget that. He was, he was so, so gracious to me, you know, he told me that story too, actually. He, Oh really? Yeah. Mike told me that story just about how wonderful you are. And you called him about that. And he was just like (laughs) floored by the fact that you, you know, cared to ask his opinion on it. Oh man. He's just, he's, he's doing what he's doing at the highest level. Um, and so it's just like, I'm going to call, I'm going to call Mike and try to not bother him and be like, Hey, can I use this idea? It's really cool. I mean, heck, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to pay for it. You, do you need me to pay like a monthly subscription rate? You know? Um, and, and, and so once I got clearance for that, I just, I just went to town, you know, I'm the kind of person that when I have my, my focus on doing something and I, I forget about everything else. I'm, I'm all in, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just poured. You just don't just talk everything. about something, you do it. Yeah. I'm like, I, I might fail at this, but I'm going to try it. So I launched a drumming website and you pay 10 bucks a month and you have access to these courses and you have access to weekly drummer hangouts. We've had people like Aaron Spears and uh, Luke Holland and Matt Garska and um, slew of amazing artists. I could go on and on, probably about 40 artists over the last year. And then I break down August Burns Red songs. So if you're looking to learn a song, can't play at full speed, I slow it down to 75% and explain how to play it. And um, so it's been very rewarding. That's so great. And I do see you get requests for for songs that people want to learn. Um, so that's that's it's just great that you're bringing that to them. And especially like in this time where that's what 
that's what drummers are looking for, you know, looking to really kind of spend some time playing and learning and, and understanding. So the contact with someone who's influential like you and can really explain what you're doing and why is pretty great. Yeah, I feel, I feel honored to be in a position where I can teach people. Um, a couple of years ago, I was getting some counseling from someone and, um, and it was, it ended up being somewhat destructive. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, I remember questioning if I ever wanted to teach again. Like, I remember thinking, do I really want to teach? Like, do I really want to instruct somebody else and give them advice? I mean, even if it's just how to play drums, because I realized for maybe the first time how powerful your words can be in someone else's life mm -hmm. and how little it takes to give advice a uh, couple seconds of your, you know, your time, your day, but how um, important it can be on the receiving end for good or for bad. Like you have a lot of power over someone's life. It can literally change someone's life for the better or worse. But for you, it's just a, it could be a passing conversation. So right. maybe you really question that. And, and since then, I don't take on as many students. I'm really careful about how I talk about things or, or what I'm going to say or teach. I mean, even when I do a podcast like this, like I would prefer to talk mostly about my life and what I'm doing versus a whole lot of other people because um, I just had that experience. And, and if you're listening to this and you went through something where, where someone gave you advice or gave you guidance that they felt like was the right decision, and it was destructive in your life, you realize what I'm saying. Like, it pro they probably don't even realize they said it. But in your life, it's, it's changed everything. Um, and you wish you could go back to that point and make a different decision. So right. that, that, that's really fueled, like, my desire to teach well and be a good educator and help people um, flourish in their drumming and in their lives if I can, um, instead of, like, giving them direction that, might be in the wrong direction. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you do a really fantastic job at teaching. And so I hope you definitely continue on with that. Um, Thank you. And the studio looks great, by the way. It looks Thank so you. Good. good job on that. Yeah. I remember you building it. And of course, I was like, of course, he's doing it himself. Like, he's got <laughs> I did everything but the electrical. And Justin, if you're listening, Thank you. I, I kind of suck with electrical stuff and it scares me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like if you're, if you're fixing stuff around your house and if it's a light bulb, no problem. But if it's like, if it's a new outlet or I don't know, light socket, I just, it freaks me out. I agree. You know? I feel like that's why people apprentice for those jobs because right. <laughs> <laughs> it takes it takes a lot of um, of practice and, and information. I never mess. I think electrical and plumbing. I think I just am. You know, that's that's left to the professionals because yeah. you know I don't need to zap myself and also you know don't need to cause a flood so right um, that's when you pick up the phone <laughs> i need help right and it's good to have friends who are knowledgeable about that stuff too 
Um, Absolutely. You know, and you can do trades like lessons or if they're not a drummer, you can, you know, a dozen eggs or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. And speaking of which, so you are you are on the farm. You are Mm -hmm. you've got your studio. You're teaching lessons. You're doing all this great stuff. We're going to talk more about that stuff soon. But you're also actively working the farm. Right. And so I love your videos and your photos and your you know, you're in the tractor and this is what you're doing today and explaining a little bit about it. Um, Tell us what you are farming. I know you have corn, right? I have corn and I have soybeans. Um, we used to do tobacco on the farm before, before my day. Um, I think, I think we did. It's, it's not really talked about actually. Now that I think about it, like my, my great uncles did and I, I helped with tobacco, but, um, I don't know that we did tobacco. Now I'm thinking about it. It's one of those things that like, if, if my ancestors did it, it was like, they weren't real proud about it because it's tobacco. Right, right. I gotcha. <laughs> we don't do tobacco, um, but we do corn and soybeans, and it's for livestock consumption. So when I say corn, a lot of times people are like, oh, like, can I get some sweet corn from you? And I'm like, you can't eat this corn. Yeah, yeah. So corn for corn to feed the animals. That's right. And soybeans. And soybeans. And soybeans. And speaking of animals, so I know that you grew up with a lot of chickens, because mm-hmm. I remember the story of you guys practicing in the in, in the, the egg uh, room, egg room, yeah, which yeah. I love. Um, but do do you have animals now? Do you have chickens and animals now? We had fourteen pigs and we had four beef cattle. Um, wow! So like, let's say let's say you and your husband lived you know close by, and you found out about this, you'd be like, uh, you'd probably talk to my brother Ben. Hey Ben, can we get can we buy half a pig? Like for okay. freezer pork. And then yeah. we would actually sell you at a good rate. And uh, my brother claims you'll never go back to eating grocery store pork again. I, I think it, it does taste differently. I don't, I think there might be a little bit of, you know, he's proud about what he's done with, of course. with yes. his work. Uh, they do taste, they do taste better. Um, and so anyway, we, we work with, we work with a very small amount of animals and mostly just cash crop. Uh, I do want to say, so so when I was growing up, we had chickens, like you said. We had thousands of chickens. They were broilers, which means they're not egg-laying chickens. Um, we did have an egg room on the farm. And all an egg room is is like a giant refrigerator. <laughs> so it's insulated. It's usually fairly small. And there's a window unit in the egg room. We started August Moon's Red in my parents' basement and uh, made our way out of the house into it. In other words, it was loud. And so we, we went to the barn and we set up in the egg room and it was the perfect space for us because obviously being insulated, you could play at any time and you really couldn't hear that much outside of it. So we don't have chickens anymore. We, we stopped doing that maybe 20 years ago just before the band and my brother Jesse now owns that farm. And I was talking to him the other day and, and he's like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to level the chicken house. Like it's kind of dangerous at this point. The floor and the ceiling are compromised and he has a couple kids and you can imagine them climbing around in there. It's, it's, it's just not safe. So I said, um, you're going to level the whole thing. He said, yep, we're going to level the whole thing. 
And the egg room is is one part of this chicken house, sort of separate. But connect, it's connected, but it's not internally in the chicken house. And so I said to Jesse, I was like, hey, um, you think you could keep the egg room? And he's like, keep the egg room? I said, yeah, I mean, that's that's an important room. Like, that's still, you know, I... I don't know. Can, can can you keep it? Maybe just. And he's like, "What are you going to use it for?" I was like, "Nothing. Just can you keep it? Can you keep it? I'm sentimental. Can you keep yes. it? the first practice space we ever had as a band?" And he's like, "I I guess so." And he's like, "What? There's just going to be like a little room by itself with four walls in the middle of just grass." Like, <laughs> <laughs> what you know? What's in that room? Oh, nothing. It's an old dilapidated egg room it's where some metal band started, you know, Aww. years ago. So I convinced him to do this. So I'm anxious to see. I think it's going to happen in the next couple of years. Um, this whole thing's going to be leveled. And then there's just going to be this tiny 10 by 10 room where like, you know, in 20 years when I'm too old to play drums anymore, I'll take a buddy over and be like, here's where we started the band, you know, and just open this door. And it's there's there's mice running around and rats. <laughs> <laughs> really? What kind of band were you in? Oh, you know, we were two-time Grammy nominated. Never got it, but we had a good run. You know, you. I I love that. I mean, it should be like a tour stop or something on the history <laughs> of the August Burns Red Band. <laughs> Here we are, at the, and no one gets off the bus. They just stay. <laughs> they're just waiting for the next stop. People just take a few pictures out the window, the bus window. You know? I don't know what that thing is. It looks like a <laughs> shrine or something. But... <laughs> I love that. Speaking of that, though, you know, I in my conversation with Ash Stone recently, he was talking about having a drum camp at his studio, like his windmill studio, and like having having people come and actually camp. Um, around the studio and which, you know, he used to have a lot of pigs, like a pig farm there. So I'm just thinking in my head, you could have like, you know, the Matt Griner drum camp and that could be a stop. Like, you wow. know, you have practice time in that room. That's a good idea. I'll right? have to talk to Ash about that. Yeah. Um, you know what? Ash Stone is, I was talking about him this last week. Um, can I tell a quick story about Ash? Of course you can. Okay. So, so we did Zildjian live last year is one of the highlights of my life playing with a bunch of drummers I looked up to so much. And it just was very um, affirming to me as a drummer. I, I usually discount myself more than I elevate myself. And that was a situation where I like went into a room and did something that I have a, I, I have a lot of pride in. Like I, yes. I really am proud of the performance and the overall song. And I, I felt good about it in general and got home and, um, I got a call from Ash and he's like, Hey buddy, how you doing? And I'm like, good. <laughs> and he's like, cool, man. I just got home. I was like, nice, nice. And you know, when you're having a conversation with someone, you're just sort of waiting for like the reason they called. Yes. Yeah. The reason never came. It was like, so, uh, oh. so you're home now. Like what's, you know, what are you going to be, be doing this week? I was like, Oh, just, you know, you know, X, Y, and Z. He's like, cool, cool. Dude, that was fun hanging in California with you, man. Oh. That was that was so good. And we just like we just talked for like thirty minutes, just just really about nothing, just like how much fun it was and just catching up, even though we had only not seen each other for twenty four hours. <laughs> and uh, and then a couple months later, the Zildjian live episode came out, right? Mm -hmm. 
premiered and I had like sweaty palms. I worked with Emily Smith and, um, you know, we launched this premiere and just so much work went into it. And I'm like, I hope people like it. I hope people love it. It came out and the response was good. And, um, I was getting like text messages and stuff, some, you know, from friends that don't really like ABR, but like they were seeing me play with a different style of music. So I'm like, I was sitting in my living room, I was responding to, to messages. And then I get this phone call from Ash. Yay. And I'm like, what's up, Ash? He's like, dude, I just wanted to call you and tell you that was so sick. I was in the room when you did that. And I didn't really, I didn't notice how much impact there was with, like, I didn't realize how hard that song hit, I think is what he said. I was like, dude, you just called me to, to like, congratulate me. He's like, yeah, man, you're my buddy. So then we ended up talking for another half hour again, just like. I love that. Catch it up. And it, it meant so much to me. Um, I do consider him a friend, but I, it's he's one of those friends that like he's not someone you talk to often and you're just sort of blown away by the fact that they would call you and support you and encourage you and affirm you like that. Um, him and him and Aaron Spears both do that for me. And when I got home from that trip and had those conversations with Ash, it it changed a little bit. It, it, it changed me a little bit. Like it, the way that I talk to other people and respond to other people and call somebody out of the blue, a lot of times it's just really rooted in this idea of somebody did that for me and I realized how important it was. Like it didn't take a whole lot of effort on their part, but they did it. Right. And so I'm going to do that too. And um, I hadn't really done that before where you just like call somebody out of the blue and catch up and see how they're doing and just say you're proud of them and you want to know how they're doing and what they're working on and stuff. Like I, I just, I never really did that before, but, but after that experience with Ash, I started to do that every now and then. I, uh, love I, that. I just, I really appreciate that about him. I mean, you know, Ash and you know, yes. Aaron and you, yes. like, you, you know what I'm saying when I'm talking about that, like they're I just do. like that. They are, they are so incredibly supportive and I love that story. That's so that's so amazing and touching. Like, you know, Ash is such a sweet human being and so supportive and he just loves this industry and yeah. the people in it. And, and like you mentioned, Aaron as well, but it's funny because you've done that for me, Matt, you've <laughs> called me out of the blue and just said, Hey, how are you? I want to check in with you. What's up, you know, yeah. um, you know, or tech in texts as well. So I appreciate that. Um, and that's a really great, uh, lesson to that, you know, to pass it, pass it on, pay it forward. And, um, yeah. and that it is so impactful, like how he, how, how much that meant to you. That's amazing. Yeah, it really did. It stuck with me that that whole trip really stuck with me. That was right before COVID, you know, and we had a great time hanging out and a couple yes. other good friends of ours together. Um, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're not all that familiar with the music industry, then like, you might not you might not realize that it's basically just a big family. It's basically just a big family. And when you get to see each other, it's it's almost like Christmas or Thanksgiving. You yeah. have these you have these big meals. You're all excited to go out to eat. Like first you gotta finish your work, gotta do the event or whatever reason it is that you're there all together for, which is typically like performance or convention. Um, and then everyone's talking about dinner. 
Yes, like there's always a dinner, dinner plan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes with horseradish. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes, oh, with man. horseradish. I. That's a story. I need to tell this story. Yeah, tell that story that because it's so good. When we are at PASIC, the PASIC convention, um, Percussive Arts Society, in November in Indianapolis. We always take, you know, artists out to dinner, um, spend time yeah. with the artists who are performing there. And one place we have to go is St. Elmo's. That's like a tradition, the St. Elmo's Steakhouse. And they have this appetizer, which, which is um, shrimp and horseradish sauce. That they, It's homemade horseradish shrimp cocktail sauce, right? So, yeah. um, so that's one thing. Anyone who's new to this experience has to try it, has to yeah. have this this cocktail sauce and it is the most, it's not spicy. It's just like hot in the way that you feel it in your brain. <laughs> it's the only way I can describe it. And, you know, usually, you know, there's, you know, someone will take a big bite of it first because not knowing just how hot it is and eat it. And then, you know, the tears come and the sweating happens and it, it's just one of those like rites of passage. But Matt Griner, <laughs> not only like loved it and and ate you know his whole shrimp cocktail but then ordered a second one and we were just like what <laughs> i thought you were gonna say i almost murdered and matt griner not only loved his first serving he almost murdered kaz with his first like, <laughs> poor kaz rodriguez will never forgive me are you kidding me? <laughs> we were all just in awe. Like the waiter came over and you asked for a second one. And we were just like, <laughs> <That's right>. okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that man. was serious. That, that was so good. That it was, was so good. And it was so good, in fact, that you sent me <laughs> for Christmas. <laughs> you sent me horseradish for Christmas. Just horseradish. Nothing else with it. And it was probably the best gift I got. I have no idea what else I got. Right. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it was the actual St. Elmo's horseradish, horseradish sauce, sauce that you can order. You can order it on Amazon. Oh, really? I did not know that. That so, is good that's to my know. Secret. <laughs> and this podcast episode brought to you by St. Elmo's. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to put a link in the description. So anyone yeah, else link like. in the description. Use code Sarah. <laughs> it is so good though. <laughs> but yes, that's one of our, our drum industry traditions. And you're so right. It is, it's like a family reunion. I say that like, yeah. you know, Nam and PASIC and content creation events where everyone's together. It really feels like a family reunion. <laughs> do you remember, do you remember PASIC when, um, the year I played PASIC, it was all because of you. Um, a lot of, actually a lot of my um, clinics. I did a couple, I've done two clinic tours, man. And they were both because of you, Southeast Asia and South America. And then PASIC and Zildjian Live. So like for huge, like life-changing trips, seriously, four huge life-changing events in my life um, at the, at the very top of what I've done. Um, you know, individually, like it's one thing to play drums with August Burns Red and get nominated for two Grammys. Like that is incredible. That is, I'll never forget going and I'll never forget being nominated, but, but individually and sort of separate from ABR, um, 
some of the best things that I've been able to do are really because of you. And I really am, am so thankful for that. Thank you. Um, oh, Matt, thank you for I, saying that you deserve it though. You're, you are fantastic. Not, not just at playing, but as an ambassador for companies, for the companies that you represent. Yeah. You're, I, you're just I so great. believe in the companies I play for. And I, I, I'm just really honored to, uh, you know, to have been given those opportunities, but at, at PASIC, um, <laughs> My clinic was over, and it was time for for Eric Moore. He was at the very end of the day, and um, of course, Eric Moore is such an amazing drummer and just like an anomaly um, of speed and precision and feel. And so he was giving this clinic on how to how to move fast around your kit or something with speed. And uh, of course, being a clinician, like you're in the room already and you're able to watch him sound check. And I, I was just so, I was like a kid. I was so giddy for this experience, but I was like, I'm going to compose myself. I'm not going to let anybody see that I'm excited for this. Like I'm sitting next to people at the, in, at the companies I play for. I just taught like two dudes ago. So like, I can't act like I'm excited for this. So Eric gets up his, his kit, like half surrounds him. It's huge. And I'm like, dude, I wonder if this is going to be any good. Like, is he going to be able to play everything that's up there? And is he nervous? Like, is he just going to like stay laid back? And he sits down and he's just like, it was like that sound, (laughs) you know, amplified through a PA for like two minutes, maybe three minutes. And it's, it's like me, you, um, and maybe like 10 other people like in a room, that's can seat about a thousand people or so, right? Is it about yeah. a thousand? It's about a thousand. I think so. It's big, big room, 10 people, big room, empty. I'm sitting in the front, arms crossed, and he just starts doing this. And I'm, I cannot, t- I can't take it anymore. And he, he gets to the end and I stand up. I stand up and I'm just like, oh my God, are you kidding me? <laughs> and he looks out, he looks out right at me. And he just kind of like smiles a little bit and no one else is standing. No one else is even enthusiastic about what just happened. Like I am losing my mind and everyone else is just like, man, I cannot wait to go to dinner. (laughs) Like, dude. Oh, so this joke lives on with a couple other drummers. Yes. um, The are you kidding me moment. But I just, man, if you've ever been in a situation where you see greatness and you forget about all of your your inhibitions, (laughs) that for me was that moment. Because, dude, I I just couldn't not do that. Like, I had. You can't help it. You can't help it. I I do. I do remember that. Yes. Gosh, this is so sick. You just have to let it out. Yeah, I do. You know, sometimes those moments are surreal when you are witnessing something like that and you're one of the few people that are in the room and you're thinking like, this is not my life, right? Like, This is insane. Like, did you guys just see that? That is, man, I just, I, I was a little kid and you know what? Um, I'm wondering if you had that moment when you were going through your camera roll and saw that you had been photobombed by Justin Bieber. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One of my favorite pictures of all time. I, I love that. You know, we, we always seem to go back to the Bieber bomb. I don't know. It just, (laughs) 
Well, because how many people have been photobombed by Justin Bieber? Just full sprint in the background. It was in his like long hair days. And it, it, it you know, wasn't even windy. It's just that he's running so fast, his hair is just up. Right. And uh, it's you and a friend just like, let's have this nice moment together, you yeah. know. <laughs> and in the background is Justin Bieber fully, full sprint, you know, running right. to the stage or something. Oh, yeah, I think he was running to the stage. Yes. Yeah, I, I love that. We <laughs> and we And I found that picture recently and then... You know, when I wished you happy birthday, I had to include that picture because, um, you know, it just lives on. But yeah, this, and these, these are examples of these moments that like, you know, it's the it's the the inside jokes that just keep us going. And, you know, through this whole time period, that time in January, Zildjian Live, the NAM show, just all being together. And I keep saying this, but it like has sustained me through yeah. this period of time where like we're not oh, yeah. each other um and you know you guys aren't coming through on tours but um you know definitely i'm seeing things start up again oh, yeah. i did see that you have a um you have um coming up like a clinic is that in person that you have that i have an in-person in clinic coming up in june and then august friends red as a show a live stream event on may 22nd so when when you first um, we haven't really gotten into that at all, but you signed me. Um, you were my my first my first uh, rep, I guess, at a company, and um, it would have been after that. Actually, that was a long time ago. We put out Leveler in 2011. So this is to celebrate 10 years of that album, um, which we you know re-recorded, and we are going to play a show on the 22nd. So there's, there are things happening. Like we were kind of talking about at the beginning, right before our technical difficulties um, there at the beginning of this thing, it was like, we're talking about touring, but it's not going to happen. And now we're talking about touring and there's this sense of confidence because of the vaccinations being widespread across the country. And just this feeling of, okay, I think people have a sense of confidence in, in returning to the life that they wish to live. Um, and yes. we're, we're close. We're not there quite yet, but we're close. We're getting there. We're, we're getting, getting closer. There. But yeah, so this live stream that's coming out May 22nd, right? Yeah. So, and people can find that. How can they find that? How can Go they? Go to um, www.abrlivestream.com. Okay. Um, and then the clinic is actually at a local Bible college. Um, so it's like an all, it's like, I think it's like a three-day percussion seminar. And I'm Amazing. just teaching drum set. I've done it twice in the past and it's such a great group of people. I haven't taught in person in a long time. Um, so it's, it's obviously a cool day I'm looking forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I find myself, you know, little by little seeing people again here and there and being like, oh my gosh, human beings in person. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. So I'm excited for you. Yeah. Um, and excited for the, for the uh, live stream too. Cause that's, that's awesome. And I loved how you guys announced that. Because <laughs> that video was so great. Um, you always, as a band, you always have the best sense of humor. Um, you know, and I just, I appreciate that so much. And I think, I think it's especially needed nowadays, but I loved, I loved that video. In fact, for anyone who hasn't checked that out, you know, go to Matt's Instagram page mm -hmm. and check out the video where they announced the, the level or live stream. Cause it's very funny. Do you remember 
um, coming out to Warp Tours and like, like you would spend a whole day there talking to artists. Yes, absolutely. So, so I was just talking about this recently. You came out with Chris Frezza to the Warp Tour in my in Mans Mansfield. Yes, in Mansfield. That right? Okay, that's where it was in Massachusetts. Um, just a big parking lot, and it was 2011. We had just put out Leveler, so you came out, and I remember you and Chris wanted to get footage of me playing or breaking down a new song and then you wanted to get footage on the bus right yes so th so this was like one of the first times that we were working together in a media fashion like we were trying to create some content and i was so nervous because i hadn't really done anything like that with you or with anybody so we were we were backstage which at warp tours just means you're under a 10 by 10 tent in a parking lot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and i was like all right uh, I'm going to talk about the song Divisions. And Divisions starts with this really odd time meter. And I didn't know what I was talking about. I had no idea what I was talking about. I had no idea how to count it. I just knew how to play it. So I'm like, I'm talking about it. And I'm trying to feed off this kid who's trying to help me as I'm in the moment talking about, well, yeah, you just count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 15, 15. It's 1 16th short of 4, 4, you know. And I'm just trying to like sell it to Zildjian. Yes. And afterwards, I was on the bus. I'm like, oh, my gosh. My first video was Zildjian, and I look like an idiot. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so Chris, Chris said the cut over, and he edited it in such a way where I, I looked. He made me look good. Aww. I was, like, real, real happy about the fact that it – I think he just cut my talking. It's probably what happened. He just had me play. <laughs> Oh my goodness. He's like, Matt doesn't know what he's talking about. Let's just let it play. Um, and so I was talking about that recently because obviously divisions being on leveler, that's it's all very fresh in my mind. But that was one of the, the first times you came out and were like filming content for Zildjian for like a a breakdown series or just for your social media, you know. Yeah, that was like really back in the day. I remember those days, oh, I remember, you know, going to concerts with a film camera taking oh photos. Oh my gosh. You know, so I know way back in the Stone <laughs> Ages with the film camera. But yeah, like, um, it's, you know, when we started getting like smartphones and stuff, that was fantastic. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, but, I would say then, so. <laughs> <laughs> using, um, using GoPros for the first time, like the first generation GoPro. I don't know if you remember, um, how they worked but not super intuitive like i <laughs> i just i just remember going like is it on i don't oh, yeah. know yeah and, you get like the classic like this face yes like, is it on yes, is it on um <laughs> now, and nowadays of course like you can just pick up your phone and you're like oh here's what it looks like on yeah. the GoPro. i mean it's amazing yeah. it's so come so far so fast you know but like capturing content at shows back in the day wasn't really even possible like you no. definitely didn't get video the photos you got were like grainy um yeah. <laughs> but like it's so it's so amazing nowadays the capabilities and you know what you all are capable even of doing on your own mm -hmm. while on tour i mean so many well you guys have you have your um your photographer mm -hmm. you know videographer touring with you mm -hmm. um i cannot remember his name off the top Ray. of my head Ray, Ray yes, yes, amazing. Ray is, just, Ray is wonderful. 
so good, right? Yeah. He's captured stuff before, um, you know, for for different organizations that I've worked with and, mm -hmm. you know, been just incredible. So that's that's just amazing. And that's like the thing to do, have, have someone on tour with you, capturing content, having like a social media person. Um, so it's just changed yeah. so much. That's cool too. Like you bring up Ray. It's, it's funny to hear from your perspective, uh, you being a rep and a friend both at the same time. And like, so after shows you come on the bus or before shows and, you know, uh, of course we're a family, right? So crews there, bands there, Ray's there. And, um, so it's nice having a photographer on tour with us or videographer because you can be like, Hey, let's get a picture with Sarah. Like yes. Sarah's here tonight in Massachusetts. So then he takes a picture, it gets uploaded to Dropbox. We send you the picture and now we have, um, you know, just a nice memory of that show that happened. And I, I really appreciate that about JB and Brent and the rest of my band, the way that we handle things with our crew, because, um, I can't take a whole lot of credit for that. They've always been very focused on, um, investing, you know, time, resources, finances into creating a family where everyone feels supported and purpose in what they're doing. And we benefit from it in a way that maybe might not seem like a huge return, you know, but in the long run, it's, it's a really, really valuable investment in that it's not only a friendship, but it's like, I mean, we're family obviously, but like you have this product that you've built over the last 10 years um, because you've, you've had that person on board and have invested into it. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. That's, that is really important. And, you know, speaking of your band, your, your family, um, are you, do you all live near each other still? Are you still in the same area? We live within the same, uh, 30 mile radius with the exception of our bass player. That's We're all so pretty amazing. close. It is. It makes it really, really nice. Now our crew is widespread like, spread out yeah you have to fly some people in from colorado ray lives in washington and but you know what no problem easy flight and um once we're back on tour it'll be i have a feeling like first show like we've talked about this we we were talking about getting the um about getting a big red scissors <laughs> and just having this like a ribbon. You know, ribbon across the stage yeah and just whoop first show we're playing it's wild and i i have a feeling it's just gonna feel like we didn't skip a beat like right back right back into it i believe it you know? absolutely yeah i mean i i'm so excited for you for that moment um yeah you know and i can't wait to see see you all live again soon um it's just been too long i have i have long. a really super important question for you <laughs> okay okay when are you going to get the corn maze together? <laughs> From the announce video. <laughs> From the announcement video. I was like, yes, but you know, now that I'm thinking about it, you have your drum camp out there. You mm -hmm. could have a corn maze. Have a drum camp in the corn maze. Yeah, you have to find your way to the drum camp. Where is, where's the sound coming from? Oh my gosh. It would be so, <laughs> you'd be so disillusioned just walking around in a cornfield, drums banging around somewhere. You can't find it. Right. I would, um, I would, I feel like 
I feel like it would kind of suck to play drums in the middle of a cornfield. <laughs> yeah, it, kind of, it might. Right there in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the sound might be a little off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You might be your kick drum. Like it's the classic kick drum slide. You know how when you're playing and you're not on a good carpet, and it just slides. You're just you're playing like Tommy Lee with your feet completely <laughs> flexed out. Yeah. Kick the drum's visual. just sliding. The visual is fantastic. Though, so. <laughs> I love it. Oh my goodness. Well, so we want to tell people to go to buy a ticket to the live stream, right? Do not miss 10th anniversary of Leveler. It's going to be great. And check out MattGrinderLessons.com for more lessons and more. Um, And your total percussion seminar coming up june 25th in person which is amazing too so that's it um and we'll put some links in the description um but matt thank you so much for being here today and being my guest today and catching up because it's always fun thank you very much this means a lot to me uh I've, i've done a lot of interviews and most don't get it as right as you just did with having the details down and um I know you have a couple people behind the scenes. So thank you to the couple people behind the scenes and the support system you have um, to make this happen. But if you're listening to this, thank you very much for listening. And um, I just want to say that, um, you know, if you are that person who's sort of not really sure how to continue on doing what you love doing or you feel like you're inadequate, um, don't give up because I'm, I'm a, I'm a farm boy who plays in a metal band that's been doing it for way longer than what I ever imagined. Um, and by the way, one of the best things about doing it for a long time and, and actually, you know, finding success is finding, uh, friendships like this, um, with someone like Sarah, who've, who's been a friend of mine for a, for a long time. I mean, over 15 years at this point. So just remember that along the way. Don't always chase the goal that you think is the ultimate thing. You'll you'll find a lot of people along the way that will make it worthwhile. So thanks for listening and uh, supporting my band. Thank you, Matt. All the best to you, and we'll see you soon. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Thank you for tuning in today. Join us each Tuesday for new episodes of Sarah Hagen Backstage.